Praise the Lord, everybody. My Lord, my brother here directing the choir, I had to close my eyes. He made me dizzy. <clears throat> like Waving and shaking. <clears throat> For a minute, I thought Mother Strom was going to get her tambourine and hit the aisle. But she didn't. Maybe next Sunday night she'll. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We give honor to your pastor and first lady in their absence here. We do love them and to all of the ministering brethren that are gathered here tonight. May the Lord bless you and to the people of God. We thank the Lord for these songs and anthems of praise that we've been hearing. My little sanctified soul is happy already. <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. I uh, approach things a little bit differently. Dear brother, you can rest and Go sit down, whatever you want to do. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your efforts. My, my, my. He surely doesn't have to go to the gym after all of that. Amen. I, I don't want to waste a second of your time tonight, and if I could be so presumptuous as to say that I may have something that you would like to remember and therefore grab a piece of paper and a pen or pencil, and let me give you some things that I'm calling tools for triumph. Tools for triumph. Um, <clears throat> as some of you know, I was raised in this Pentecostal way, and we had a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere at our church, at home, signs and miracles, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Dead were raised, hardened sinners saved, and the secrets of men's hearts were revealed. It was a powerful atmosphere. We looked forward to going to church every service. We had church on Wednesday night, Saturday night, and twice on Sunday. When all this group of singers came up, and God bless you, everyone, for singing your hearts out, it reminded me of my coming up days when they said, all right, let's have the choir to come. And anybody in the sanctuary that felt that they had a song in their heart, they came to the platform. Then on Sunday night, they'd say, all right, now we're going to have the special choir to sing. And everybody that couldn't sing went and sat down. <clears throat> Those were the days. <clears throat> we saw the blessing of the Lord not because of things we did, but in spite of many of them. In all of the miraculous that I saw, watched, experienced, I saw many, many, if not most people in that atmosphere that never saw how to enjoy personal victories. We could see corporate manifestations, corporate victories, but as the people of God left, they were in a quandary as to how to connect to personal victories on their job, in their home, in their relationships, in their finances, etc. <clears throat> we are great ones to say we believe the Word, yet in truth and action, many, many times we find ourselves not actually standing by the Word. If it gets out beyond Acts 2.38, we're kind of in limbo. We'll stand by Acts 2.38 relentlessly and forcefully. So if I can share with you five tools for triumph, if you're interested. The first one that I would suggest that has to be changed and embraced in our life is our thinking. Our thinking has to be changed. Pentecost usually turns its brain off at the door and activates feet and hands. And we shout and praise the Lord, and if it's a good service, we met with God. And if the choir didn't sing just right, well, it wasn't such a great service. But the same God was there in both places. And the two areas that our thinkings must change are, first of all, who we are since we were saved. And you'll find that in the epistles. And the second thing that has to be changed is what he has done for us. 
not going to do for us, but has already done for us. I say that everything that we'll ever need this side of glory is already deposited to our account in our name. Our problem is to learn how to extract that out of the invisible world into the manifest physical realm where we need it so desperately. The scripture says, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, this world's way of thinking, this world's approach, but be transformed by the renewing, what, of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to be delivered from fatalism or the idea that says what will be, will be. When Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, he was not praying about something that was established. He was praying a consecration prayer. And consecration prayers are not to be prayed over healing or finances or things like that. I am to approach it with a definite knowledge of what God has said in his word. We will certainly ensure our failure when we use this term, well, God is sovereign, which in our minds means he is going to do what he wants to do regardless of our wishes or prayers. I just heard a rat licking ice. So that translates to our Bibles. Why read it or heed it or try to heed it if he's going to do what he wants to do anyway? But I find that the word of the Lord is, is our code for victory. It is an established process, procedure, and knowledge of victory that belongs to us, and we must learn how to process it, press into it, And give God the praise when it manifests. Thank the Lord. In a sense, he is a sovereign God. He has has established things in our universe that are there. He established them and they are in place. Yet he did not sovereignly make Adam and Eve fail in the garden. He did not stop Abraham from lying. He did not stop Moses' temper tantrum, which cost his promised land entrance. Although David was a man after God's own heart, he did not stop him from committing murder and adultery. He gave Judas the same powers of healing and casting out devils as he did the other disciples, yet he did not stop him from his betraying acts. I'm trying to show you is that when we say God is sovereign, he is not dictating everything that happens in your life and in my life. We have a say-so about it. The Bible said the sloth will not draw his hand out of his bosom to feed himself. If God is sovereign, surely he would make him take his hand out and feed himself, wouldn't he? Stay with me. God made a conditional covenant with Israel. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 28 sums it up. And the first 14 verses of that chapter says, If you will diligently hearken to my voice, hearken, obey my voice, blessings will be on you when you go out and when you come in. They'll be on you when you stand up and when you sit down. Everywhere you turn, there will be blessings on you. It does not say that there would not be difficult times. It did not say that there would be trials, extreme trials, stressful trials that will come. But the Bible said, out of them all, the Lord wants to deliver us. Praise God. Now, this conditional covenant had to be remembered. You have to know the covenant. You have to know who you are, and you have to know what he has done for you. If you forget it, you will be just like Israel was in Luke 4, 25 through 28. 
But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the times of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow." And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. What am I saying? Israel was the UPC of their day. They were the church at that time. What had happened? Why were there widows that were suffering without in Israel in those days when God said in Deuteronomy 28, if you will hearken diligently to my voice, you will be blessed in your basket. You will be blessed in your store. That's the word. But if we forget the word, then we will not be able to press and to face those times of stress, those times of lack. We will not rise up against them, but we will succumb to them. Why were there lepers in Israel in those days? Because they had forgotten Exodus fifteen twenty six. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Are you out there? Are you going home? Praise God. Hang on with me. Then Hosea wrote, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. He wants us to pick up the tools that he has given us. But if we do not know about those tools, or if we do not recognize the tools, we will not take them up and we'll lose the battle he wants us to win. I remember we had not been evangelizing very long until as you know, evangelists need a trailer and a truck. You're not fully qualified or certified until you have a truck and a trailer. So we got our first aluminum mansion. And uh, I parked it in a spot, and I called a friend of mine who had just stopped evangelizing. And it started pastoring a church. And I said, hey, Dean, I was wondering if you could come over and give me a RV tutorial because I knew nothing. How to hitch it up was about it. So he came through and he demonstrated to me about the black water. And he demonstrated about the gray water. And he demonstrated about the thermostat and all of the electrical systems that were in there. He's quite handy with those things. And so we went on for a while and he said, uh, where is uh, there a little piece of metal about this long that's about big as a pencil? And he said, it'll have an L on one end and a circle on the other. I said, oh, I know right where that is. I was saving it for my scrap pile. Oh, he said, don't do that. That's what you pull your awning down with. And I was thinking, how, what I, what can I make out of this? I bound it and saw it up in little pieces and use it somewhere. But he saved me a difficult time because I never would have gotten that awning out and provided shade for us and protection from the rain and so on and so forth. I did not recognize the tool that was already in my possession. If we could understand that every tool to defeat the devil is already between the pages of your Bible. The force is in you by the power of the Holy Ghost, but the word is the codified way of victory. It is the process for us to win every single time.
He is not sovereign over my work week. He is not sovereign over your coming to church. He is not sovereign over whether you use your paycheck to pay bills or spend it at the mall. It is your choice. And I'm trying to say tonight that we have some tools at our disposal that if we will recognize them and pick them up, Satan will be put to flight and victory will manifest in our daily life. The second tool I'd like to bring to your attention is obedience. Now, I have tried this out. I thought, you know, I don't really have to just do everything the Lord said do. I could let a few little things slip here and there. And then I found out that my faith was failing. And I had to go back and ask him, where did I miss it? Well, he'll point out those little things that he has already shown you to take care of. And when you take care of them, praise God, blessings will flow. I remember one time, I, I hope personal testimonies are okay. I remember one time that uh, I, I was uh, seeking the Lord and I was sowing uh, some pretty good seed into the kingdom of God, financial seed. Uh, I needed a blessing. I needed a release of finance. I needed uh, more finance to come uh, to us, to my wife and I. And so I'd been sowing seed. I, I wasn't seeing much of a harvest. So I went to him in prayer and said, Lord, where, where have I missed you? Because you said, if I would give, you would give to me. Pressed down, shaken together, heaped up, running over, will men give into my bosom? Well, my bosom was open and there was nothing coming into it. Hallelujah. And so I asked him, he said, I want you to be obedient and not spend any money except on that that I okay. Well, I realized then that I had been sowing seed to feed my greed. I wanted some toys. Come on. I'm telling you, it changed. I said, okay, Lord. You got it. I'll be obedient. Before I ever changed anything, I started selling toys and junk to prove to him that I was not going to live that way anymore. And you know what? Before I ever started, the glory and the blessing of the Lord came. Money started flowing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because he wants us to activate these tools that he has for us so that we cannot just sing about being blessed, but just demonstrate blessing to our world and those around us. <clears throat> Beloved, he said, First John 3.21, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. The third key or the third tool that we have to change is your words. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. There are people that I know that are not with us today because they talked death and received it. Our next door neighbor uh, where I was raised, she looked fit, healthy. Her husband as well. She said, I'll not live to see my 65th birthday. I want you to know just a few weeks before her 65th birthday, they found her full, riddled with malignancy, and she was gone before her 65th birthday. Another precious lady who was in the church, she had a routine uh, hip replacement, and uh, they said, you'll be out of here in no time. They got her up the next day. She walked, moved her around everything. She told her children, I'll not leave the hospital alive. Oh, the doctor said, no, this is fine. Everything will be fine. Uh, yeah, we do this all the time. She said, I'll not leave here alive. They carried her out on a stretcher. She talked herself into that. Why? She did not recognize the tool that is in the word which said death and life are in the power of the tongue. Glory. 
had a man that I pastored in our church. And uh, he was a big talker. What was amazing to me is he could talk blessing and it would happen. But then he started talking death and it happened. He had a, a, a landscaping service. He walked in. He had like a third grade education. He walked into the corporate office of that landscaping company, very large, over a hundred stores, and said, I want all of your stores. And they said, well, you can have it. But he had told me in church the week before, I'm going to get every one of them. I'll have every one of those stores in my business. Well, one night, though, he was he had moved on from the landscaping business, and he was about to take a trip in a truck, and uh, he had told his family, I probably not lived to see my 45th birthday. Guess what? He ran headlong into a bridge abutment. And tonight, I pray that he is in the arms of Jesus. That did not have to happen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good, okay? <clears throat> Hallelujah to God. I have to stay with the word. He wants me to have life. He wants me to be blessed. He wants me to be victorious. He wants me to be joyful. He wants me to have all of the money I need to do what he told me to do. <clears throat> Proverbs twelve eighteen: the tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 13, 3, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction you say that makes me afraid it ought to it ought to make us turn around it ought to make us take hold of what god has said in his word so that we can prove to our world that we're not just a bunch of happy jigging singers but we are truly victorious people my bank account full of money my heart full of glory and i've got victory on every hand Glory to God. I hope this is all right with you. <clears throat> fourth, fourth key, a tool is praise. Praise. Second Chronicles 20, 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. There is something about just getting down and praising the Lord. Many prayers can be answered just by praising him. So, well, I don't feel like it. He never said anything about you feeling anything. He said, do it. I don't know if everybody in here is real happy about getting up early on Monday morning going to work. But you do it. Because you know the penalty if you don't. Come on. But when we do what God said do without regard to our body, to our emotions or whatever, you'll have more emotion than you can handle. The glory and the joy of the Lord will come upon you. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I've experienced blueness. Anybody ever been blue? depressed and I thought well I I could just do what the word said he gets said he'd give me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and I've never praised him for more than 30 minutes when all of the blueness and depression was gone and joy and happiness was in its place just took the tool of the word what do you do you just sit there like a stump and let praise come out. Send a praise out. Send a praise out. Send a praise out. Send a thanks out. Send a hallelujah out. And it will change the atmosphere. And you'll be happy. And you'll be victorious. <clears throat> the final one is your will. Your will. To see it come to pass. As I said before, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom, will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. 
If you're sitting around waiting on a sovereign God to do some kind of a sovereign, mysterious work for you, it's not going to happen. If it does, just count it up to his mercy and his long suffering with us. And thank God he does do that for us at times. Just out of gas, just out of, just out of everything I need to do what I need to do. You tell him that he'll help you. He's a merciful God. But your will has to come into play. If you do not change your thinking, your thinking will affect your will. Because if you are not convinced that what you've heard belongs to you, you will not have the strength to support your will to push it through. You know, I, uh, I had read in the scripture that the, the Lord, he that finds the wife finds the good thing and obtain the favor of the Lord. Isn't that sweet? And I'd done my best. I'd tried, had a couple of uh, things, flings. And uh, so I just got down and got serious with the Lord. I said, Lord, you're the one loaded me up with all of this. You're the one installed all the hormones and told me this is what I need. And I've done my best on my own now. It is up to you. But my focus was there. My will was there. Glory to God. And out of nowhere to me, man, I'd been to every conference, camp meeting. I wouldn't listen to the preaching. I was scouting. And I'd see a promising one. But I didn't make my move yet. I wanted to see her mother. <clears throat> and there were a lot of girls that missed out when I saw their mom. Woo, it's too big of a chance. That's the way it's going to go. Can't have that. And I just kept moving. Beautiful girls. and Oh, my Lord, what in the world? I've lived long enough now to prove my point, praise the Lord. Yeah. But I saw it. I was focused. And out of nowhere, here came this girl that I had gone to school with. And I testified to her. In essence, she said, this is what I've been looking for. And we've been married for 37 years. And I knew her mother before I even talked to her. Her mother, she was a looker till the day she left here. Amen. Praise God. So I knew I was pretty safe. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We all right? There had to be a will that was there. I remember, I like to say that I received the Holy Ghost by accident when I was nine years old. I spoke with tongues. I did something that I knew wasn't me. But then I was a mute in tongues until my mid-teens. And it was very frustrating to me because I'd hear my mother in the front room of our house wrapped up in a big blanket, box of Kleenex, Praying in the spirit in other tongues by the hour. Groaning, travailing. I'd go to early morning prayer with my father at the church. And I'd hear him begin to sing in other tongues. And I thought, oh my God, have mercy. And our pastor was so, just tongues was a river. And here I was a mute and, uh, you know, it gets altered. Some of the poor Sunday school teachers who meant well get around me and try to get me to say Jesus real, real fast. 
so that my tongue would get mixed up and I'd say something I didn't know. And then they'd tell me, that was God. Go with it. I knew it wasn't the Lord. Amen. I knew that he could help me with that. And so I would get permission to go to the church and I'd fast and pray. And I had my thinking straight because Paul said, pray with the spirit and pray with the understanding. Didn't he? And he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And I just bow down and I say, Lord, I don't know how to do this and I'm not willing to do this stupid way that some people want me to do. I believe that you're able to instruct me. I believe that you're able to help me to understand. I want this. Your word says I can have this and my will is after it because my thinking is straight. And I knelt and I prayed and I fasted. And all of a sudden, one day, I just started hearing tongues in my mind, in my heart. And the Lord just said, go ahead, follow that, speak that out. And I did, and blessed be his name. I've been talking in tongues ever since. Glory to God. Probably more than I talk in English. I talk in other tongues. Glory to God. But that didn't happen until I got my thinking straight. And I began to pursue it with my will and say, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is mine. It is my right in Jesus' name. I remember... One time, and I'm coming to a close, that I needed some, uh, you know, I guess we all, extra money is wonderful. But I just, uh, you know, our bills were paid. We had food in the pantry and in the refrigerator. And we had enough to buy a hamburger on Sunday night. But I said, Lord... I'd just like for you to just do something. Just show me your power. Just show, show, it, show it to me. Show it to me. And I'm, at that time, um, I was not bringing home $1,500 a month from the church. So how would you make it? Heaven knows. But we did. And so I said, Lord, I'm asking you for $1,500 extra dollars this month. Because he said, ask and you shall receive. He also said, if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, prove me now herewith. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You'll not have room enough to receive it. I said, that's me. I ask you. I believe I receive it. I pay my tithes faithfully. And so, I there's a where I went to school in the first and second grade was about two blocks from our house, and I would go there for my morning walk. And every morning I went walking. And every step I took, I said, Thank you, Jesus, for fifteen hundred extra dollars this month. See, you gotta do this stuff before you see it. Thank you, Jesus. For $1,500 extra dollars this week. Glory to God. A couple of days later, somebody came by and unexpected. I didn't even tell my wife that I was asking and believing. Somebody came by and said, I just felt impressed to drop a hundred bucks off your house. I said, God bless you. Appreciate that. Go with God. Come back if you want to. Amen. Got 1,400 to go. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you've never, ever personally activated a victory in your life, when you get a little one, you'll be tempted to back off and say, Whoa. But I thank the Lord for the 100. Went walking the next morning. Thank you, Jesus, for 1400 extra dollars this month. I'm a good mathematician. A couple of days later, somebody came by and dropped off 200. 
boy, I'm a faith man. I'm a power engineer here in the Holy Ghost. Next morning, I'm walking. Thank you, Jesus, for 1200 extra dollars this month. About two days later, somebody came by and dropped off a check for $5,000. Totally unexpected. I knew that would get you hallelujah going. <laughs> 5000 I said, thank you, Jesus. Started writing my tithe check, and the Lord said, you take the rest of the 1200 out and give the rest to me. I said, I'm happy to do that, sir, because I know that you cannot fail, dear God in heaven. What should be your ceiling? Well, start with whatever the FDIC covers. I don't know what they cover now per bank. A million, 500,000 out of 750,000. Let that be your ceiling. Lord, we got a ways to go. Come on. I'm at 50,000. We got a ways to go here. Come on. Because you said my barns would be full. My barns will be full. This is the perfect time of the year for the church to get a hold of this so that you can turn your businesses around. You can buy your business. Come on. Hallelujah. In the first of the year, hit the ground running, worshiping, changing your thinking, obeying God in everything, and you will see a shift come into your life. I used to love to go around and visit the old mothers in the church and just uh, pray with them, comfort them, sometimes have a bite of lunch with them. And every one of them would say, well, you know, honey, I'm on a fixed income. And I said, you know, I'm not supposed to rebuke my mothers in Zion, but may I strongly encourage you to tie that bull outside. That's what an old church mother told me when I was foolish. She said, tie that bull outside. So I figured if she could say it and have the Holy Ghost, I could say it. Come on. I said, stop saying that. The same God that blessed you when you worked is the same God that's over Social Security and whatever else is out there. And he'll loose the chains that bind. And you can rise up and give like you want to give. And go where you want to go. And woo, they start chattering in tongues and thank you for coming by to see me. But I had to keep repeating myself. You've got to keep this in front of you. You've got to change it just like Jacob peel those rods and put them in front of those animals. And when they saw that, it affected their imagery. Their imagery changed what was going on biologically in them, and they produced after what he wanted them to produce. Do you want to be the biggest thing out here on the freeway? Come on here. Do you want to be the most wealthy and powerful church that's known in Houston? You can have it. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for us few select. God is looking for people that are not going to sit on themselves, but are going to rise up with power, with intention, and say, this is mine, and I'm going to have it. Hallelujah. You got time for a couple more stories? Anybody, if you need to go, God bless you. Go with God. You know, somebody came up to me at, at, at camp meeting. and I had a large Bible case and a small Bible. And I had see-through socks, Brother Hughes. You remember we had to have pointy-toed shoes. A little hump in your back and a gravelly voice, which indicated you'd been in revival recently. So I had my big Bible cover. I was walking around, and this bumpkin came up to me and said, 
So you're an evangelist, are you? Yep, yep, I sure am. See this? I got my name printed on my Bible case. And uh, he said, you got any signs in your ministry? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I mean signs, gifts of the Spirit. And I thought, oh, Jesus. And I kind of sheepishly walked away and said, none that I know of. But that stirred me up. It provoked me. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 tell us, covet earnestly the best gifts. He tells us, do not be ignorant about these things. Well, I said, Lord, you've never appeared to me and told me, yea, I give unto thee discerning of spirits. So I guess I'm going to have to just latch on to one. Most of us are scared of our shadows when it comes to the Spirit. And we'll drive miles to go get them under and listen to somebody that can. And Lord, I said, I guess what I have to do is do what your word said. Your word said, covet to prophesy. Sounds good to me. How do you do that? What do you feel? Does your head wiggle? Do your ears go back and forth or what? I'd heard it done, seen it done. So I was in a revival meeting. And uh, I was determined. I saw it in the Word. I opened the Word up in a hotel. I'm 19 years old. I opened that Bible up, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. And I kneeled down by the bed. And I said, Lord, now this is what I want. This is what I intend to have because you said for me to covet it. You said for me to covet it. I said, he said, covet it. So I was convinced it was for me. And so I said, I'm not going to say any more to anyone until you let me know, show me how this happens. That was about noon. Five o'clock, I was still there on my knees waiting. 5.30, I had church that night. I thought, uh-oh, we're going to have a surprise tonight because I said I'm not saying any more to anyone until something began to bubble. It's like a slow boil deep down inside. Just began to effervesce. And the closer it got to church time, it was just right up to here. And uh, I said, boy, so I got to church, and they, praise the Lord, how are you doing tonight? I said, mm. And every one of them, I just, mm. But when the pastor turned the service to me, it was like a torrent. It was like a river of confirming words. Exhortation, edification flowed out of me the first time ever in my life. Now, not every church wants it or believes in it, and it'll hinder the operation. Come on. But we ought to welcome it. Come on. And let the Lord speak to us and let the Lord share things with us. For each other. Don't have to be spooky. You keep your eyes wide open. Just come up and be loving and be kind and say, say it this way. I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but I just feel this for you. Is that, does that mean anything at all? You know, just be real careful with it. I don't want Brother Hughes to, Hughes to have to come behind me and fix all of this. Come on. But since that time, it's been there and it's float. One more story. I got a I got a phone call, uh, and the fellow told me he said there's a there's a church in Massachusetts on the water, and he said I've heard of you I've checked you out, and I'm over this church and a lot of young converts there lots of money in the bank everything's remodeled, 
And I love the Northeast. I just love the Northeast. Did I say I love the Northeast? I really love it. And when he said, you can go there if you'll just give me a yes. Oh, my God. My wanter. Was in high speed. But I'm married. And I don't know if you brethren that are married know that, you know, it's nicer if the wife comes along with you. And I didn't have to pray for the discerning of spirits to know what she probably would say. Here's what she would say. Has the Lord said go? Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, I believe he works through our, you know, our will and our wants and our wishes and things. No, has he spoken to you? No. But I had a week to pray about it. But my main difficulty with this, with this project was this. I said, Lord, I don't just need to know your will about this. I need you, if you don't want me to go, I need you to shut my wanter off. Because I don't know how to unwant this. So I was at a pastor's house and it was deadline day. And uh, he was doing something for me outside. And I said, may I go in the bedroom and pray? He said, sure. I went in there for one hour. I prayed in other tongues. Man, I did the Pentecostal chant. Y'all know what that is? Oh, you hear it in every prayer meeting. Oh, 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 it's stretching hallelujahs. Try to make up some time. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Yeah, because we always get quick, get through quicker than we think. Isn't that right? And so. I did the Pentecostal chant. I quoted the word to the Lord. Lord, you have sent me into the world to preach the gospel to every creature. And there it is, Lord. It's set. All I have to do is say yes, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that this is what you want. And so I need to know what you think about this. I need you to fix my wanter on the inside of me. I need this, Lord. And I prayed in tongues and I worshiped and I quoted the scripture. And I got up at the end of an hour. I'd beaten that thing. I got up. I didn't have anything. I had to go check on my brother. I went out there and checked. And he said, I've got about another hour to go here. And I said, well, I need another hour. So I went back in there and I laid down on the floor. And I began the Pentecostal chant. And I began to pray in other tongues. And I began to worship. And I began to quote the word to the Lord. You know, he said, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Put me in remembrance, he said. I was putting him in remembrance. End of the second hour, nothing. Now, of course, I felt better about myself because I'm entering into prayer warrior state. You know, two hours of prayer. So we went to lunch and came back. He said, I got about another hour to go here. I said, good, I'm going to need that time. And I went back into the bedroom again and shut the door and laid down and did it all over again. What am I saying? Because, see, I know that the Holy Ghost is given to me to guide me. Did you hear that in the Bible? Did you see that? He is given to me to guide me in everything. And my will took hold of what I knew to be a fact. And I said, I'm not going to turn loose. So third hour, Pentecostal chant, praying in tongues, worshiping, quoting the Bible. I got up, still nothing. By that time, it was time for me to go. I got in the car. I had two-hour drive to my home. I got in the car, and I said, now, Lord, you don't think that I am going to turn this loose, do you? And I began to pray and worship. Fifteen minutes down the road, the download happened. And it was in a second, a millisecond. It was there. He shut my water off, 
gave me peace about staying where I was. I just could have shouted all over that highway because I had the right thinking. I was obeying the Lord. I was speaking right. Come on. And I had the force of my will and my praise was involved. And I came tonight to tell this church that this is for you. Starting tonight, you don't have to wait another day. Get the word. Find out what it says. Disregard what you're feeling and go for your answer. Go for your answer. Let's stand together, please. Hallelujah. You got to run for it. And some of your best Christian friends will say, oh, what are you doing? Don't you know that they'll try to talk you out of it? But you keep your head down. You keep your eyes on the word. You keep in touch with the Holy Ghost. And you'll see a miracle come. I see people talk to their limbs that were paralyzed. And they operated again. Come on, because they believed that healing was theirs. Healing is yours. Finances are yours. Peace is yours. Glory to God. I just. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> He's here. I said, He's here. And you can have anything you need. Anybody sick here in the building tonight, would you rush down here to the front in faith, believing? And we'll lay hands on you and see you leave here changed, healed by His stripes. You are healed. Come on, come on. Anybody that's in any kind of a trouble. Financial trouble, relational trouble, any kind of a problem. Come on. Now in Jesus' name, come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Indicating you believe. And you're going to receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, hear our cry.